Now you're official. Hi, welcome again to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High, joined by Phil Naiman. How are you, Phil? I'm doing great, buddy. We're actually getting a little bit of rain out here in California. So we need it. We, we don't deserve it, but we need the rain. So we're, we're blessed for that. I get that. Uh, we kind of go into those same kind of things. We never know what kind of summers we're going to have. And this year we were kind of blessed with the rain, but we've also had those that we go months at a time without a drop. So we've actually ended up with quite a bit of global warming in the summer. It seems that just like after April, it kind of gets hot every year. So, so it's really kind of wild. Yeah, we have global warming every summer. It's warmer than it was in the spring. Fortunately, we have global cooling to worry about through the December, January time period. But yeah, boy, whew. Gotta watch out for that global warming. <laughs> well, we have some, uh, some, a lot of things to talk about today, uh, more serious, obviously, than the weather. And I think that this is a great point to make out to your listeners uh, what's going on in the world and what we need to do to protect ourselves. Well, and it's, you know, it's just, just the times we live in. Um, you know, we, we talked months back about <clears throat> the effects of coming in and defunding your police departments. Um, the fallout from that is higher increases in violent crimes and, uh, you know, I think actually our official comments were, huh, what could happen? Yeah. Yeah. How, how bad could it be? Um, and stats came out today <clears throat> on uh, homicide rates in the major cities in the US. Um, and there are 12 major cities that didn't just have increases, they broke records. Um, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, you got Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, they've had 99. That's a 22% increase over 2019 numbers. And that's what the comparisons are is, is this year to two years ago. Um, so it's pre-COVID things. Um, and that, that'll be something that plays a factor into it. Uh, but it just skyrockets from there. St. Paul, Minnesota goes to 25%. Um, and it's not a huge number for that city, but it's 35 and that's the most they've ever had. I mean, it does set the record for them. Um, you go to- Are these homicides or murders? These are homicides. Uh, okay, so people killing people, it doesn't say that it's an actual murder, correct. right? Correct. Uh, and there'll be further breakdowns. Uh, <clears throat> everything that gets reported through law enforcement to the Department of Justice um, has means of identifying how that particular thing plays out eventually. Um, and it's, it's a UCR code, a universal crime reporting code. Yeah, you got a bar label on the back of the corpse. Hey, but let's, um, sorry about that. <laughs> it's on the toe tag. But tell the people the difference between a homicide and a murder. Well, any... Any killing of a person by another person is a homicide, right? Uh, but you're going to have things that that fall into murder, which are things that are done with premeditation and intent, malice. But a homicide is if a police officer shoots a bad guy, that's still counted as a homicide. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's any, you know, um, could be if somebody runs somebody over, it's a homicide, right? So. There's accidental deaths that are included in that. There are murders that are included in that. Um, there's the different degrees that people can think of for murder. There's self-defense shootings. All of those are considered in the homicide number. The murder rate is something different. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's the staggering percentage of increases. Um, you know, as I was saying, Philadelphia goes up 
40, 46%. No number, way. 46? Yeah. Their numbers are huge. They're 521 so far. Um, you know, not even included in this because it doesn't set a record for them. Um, Chicago, as of yesterday, was at 719 for the year. That's just mind boggling, uh, especially, you know, yeah, there's tons of people there, but it's really a small area. I mean, I just can't imagine being part of that law enforcement community there and trying to effectively run an investigation. I don't know how big there is one. There there, there flat out isn't one. You you think about um, that's Lori Lightfoot's uh, city that she has defunded the police and she's pulled back from any kind of aggressive policing. And frankly, when when you have that kind of gang war going on, you need aggressive policing. You know, you were you did it. But without aggressive policing and without a show of force keeping the bad guys at bay or in jail, if if they can do anything they want and cashless bail, you know, nobody's even. I think this last weekend, forty something people were shot in Chicago. Sixteen died. Only 16 is, I think, the way they report it. Only 16 died in Chicago, 26 injured, 40 casualties of, of the shootings. That's a weekend event. That's every single weekend. I, there's some websites that actually report, hey, here's Chicago's numbers, because it's it's astonishing, not amusing. It's astonishing that that's allowed to go on. You know, you have a school shooting, which are absolutely horrific and terrible. I'm definitely not supporting that in any way absolutely the worst, four people are killed, national news. Last weekend, 16 are killed and in one city. And it's not like it's an, an anomaly. It's, it's the weekend. Yeah, it's just what they do. If you're an emergency room physician, you don't get Saturday, Sunday off. It's amazing to me. Um, I, I wouldn't even know how many hospitals there would have to be level one trauma care centers. Actually, what I have heard is that even the, the Department of Defense sends their doctors to Chicago and San Bernardino and Oakland to work those emergency rooms so they can practice on victims, you know, of the shootings. Oakland's numbers are, are big, um, but they're nowhere near records, but they're terrifying. When you well, get- Oakland, just like the Raiders, they're kind of slackers. You know, they're, they're just all the way around there and then they fall apart. So yeah, Oakland's not going to beat a record. It's just, it's, it's the, it's the Raider curse. They, they can't beat the record. They're going <laughs> to, they're going to get close and then fail. Ultimately, that's just the city of Oakland in all things that they do. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to probably shouldn't be, but joking a little bit about uh, some of this uh, different cities and the way that they're run, but these are people's lives being affected. You know, the city of Oakland, how many was in Oakland this year? I don't have that number. Um, but it's one of the worst. San Bernardino yeah. is one of the worst. Or it's where my radio show is actually located in Southern California. Our towers are in San Bernardino, or as we affectionately call it, Sad Burning Ghetto. It, it's, a, it's a lost city. It's a lost cause. And Oakland's the same way. And, and some of these other cities, how do you have a life? in a city like that, like in South Central um, Chicago. How do you go to a football game with your kids, you know, in the high school, all these things happening, it's a war zone. And defunding the police and allowing the criminals to dictate the terms on the streets, you know, you, you inspect what you expect and you get what you pay for. So if you're allowing this to continue to grow, well, you're going to get more of it. When crime is free, you get more crime. That's we're seeing it with the smash and grabs and everything else. But the murder is is the coup de gras. It's absolutely terrible. Well, and it's like San Francisco area, um, you know, we're we're not going to make arrests in cases where people are coming in and emptying shelves out <clears throat> until the the value is greater than $950. That's not just San Francisco, that's all of California. Is it really? Yeah. Um, there was, a, there was a, a store owner that will be willing to negotiate with you as a customer, but because of those laws, he's gone in and he's priced everything. Everything at $975. <laughs> 
151. And I have a cash discount up front. Yeah. If you want to pay for it at the counter, it might be less, but we can, we can talk about it. Um, but I mean, I can't imagine being a business owner and, and having people come in and just free reign, just groups of people. And I've, it doesn't have to be in California. I've, I've watched those, those outfits operate in Oklahoma city. Um, we had, we had these, actually we've, we've got a task force that started uh, just specifically for this organized retail crime thing that was going on. And it's very organized. They come in, they got a number of people that, that come into a store at once. Everybody is, is doing it all at once and you just overwhelm the staff and they just walk out. Well, yeah. So the first one that happened up, I think it was in Nordstrom's in San Francisco, not the first time it happened, but recently the first, apparently very well organized, they had 25 cars blocked off all streets and approaches. So they just blocked the traffic, did what they wanted and took off. And, uh, you know, the police can't get in there. And even if they did, so the guy drops a few things and he only has $800 worth of stuff on him. Now it's a ticket. Now you just, it's, it's tragic and, and it's theft and it's a theft from the, the individual citizens who have to pay for this with their lives, have to pay for this with their wallet and their paycheck. So for instance, if a store loses, this is actually a story of a a local manager for a grocery store I was speaking with. They lose a thousand dollars a day out of their store. It's a big retail grocery store in liquor thousand dollars a day that liquor sales are are stolen so that's three hundred and sixty five thousand dollars a year for that one store now that store is not going to go out of business what do they have to do they have to raise their prices and guess what i pay extra for everything to cover the loss of just the liquor three hundred sixty five thousand dollars and everything else that's stolen the crime is not free they have to raise their prices and those of us who actually pay for things are covering the loss of those criminals. And it's insane that people say, oh, it's just shoplifting. Well, you're the one paying it, ding dong. You know, we have an inflation rate that's almost as high as a murder rate increase. I think that's the one thing Joe Biden says is he wants to get his inflation at least as high as murder rate so everything's equal. I don't know. Maybe he didn't say that. It, it's the way it's moving. Um, another deal is is when you, when you go and, and you look at... Uh, area by area on these things and then look into who who has the strictest gun laws um chicago i think nationwide chicago and uh, massachusetts are the two chicago is amazing um and the you know the the new york city and the hurdles those people have to jump through um in order to even be able to to carry legally um you know you have to have your uh, your FOID card first. And then once that's approved, you can go get training and you can, it's amazing. And they got to call, you know, I got to carry my ID. I got to carry my FOID card. And then I got to carry my, my concealed carry license. Um, if you get approved to get such a thing. So it's, it's amazing to me. And it's, it's an area that, that has the highest murder rate in the country. It's just, it's, it's terrifying. Um, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about following the, uh, the Supreme Court looking at uh, the gun laws in New York State. Um, and, it, and it's crazy to me how you make the argument that, well, gun laws are stricter in uh, areas with with more volume of people, you know, am I more, am I more apt to be a victim, you know, out in a rural area and, and I'm, you know, walking, walking down a country road, or am I going to be going through Central Park and all of a sudden something happens to me? Uh, It's, the argument is just, it's asinine to me. and you start putting your crime stats to it and you've kind of made it open season for, for predators, for bad guys. Right. Yeah. It's crime is free in in some States, in some cases. And you know, criminals 
are cowards. They're not stupid. Some are stupid cowards, but for the most part, they're just cowards who, who want something for free and to impose their will and don't really care about the consequences. So if the consequences are so high that they risk never seeing the sun again, or, you know, maybe one of those uh, permanent, uh, permanent enclosed lifestyle cases that they can be submerged in the ground with, you know, if, if that's their risk level, then they change their behavior, but not until then. And so in California, we had a dramatic drop in, in all violent crime throughout the 90s. We instituted something called three strikes, you're out. Three felonies, you're in jail for life, 25 to life. I don't care if the last thing you stole was a pizza. They overturned it because somebody got a life sentence for stealing a pizza. Of course, he had 42 other convictions ahead of that. Just the last one that sent him away, right? The last thing he was caught for sent him away. So they've, they've changed all that. And then, of course, now we're open season. A lot of people will go back and say that, well, look, the murder rates were worse up until 1990. And that's true as far as numbers are concerned. But as you know, as a police officer, when you had a violent crime of this nature, what would you say? You, you say the percentage, but there's a high percentage of times it was a young man between the ages of 20 and 40, right? Are those not normally who's committing most violent crimes? Yeah, you're locked in. You're right there. Yeah. So in that time frame from 75 to 1990, what we had is we had the giant coming of age of the baby boom generation who were 25 to 40 years old through that. So yeah, it was a huge uh, numbers of crime that was happening, but that's because that age bracket that typically has the most criminals was the largest we've ever seen. So people are saying, well, look, the, the crime rate went down because Clinton did a assault weapon ban. No, the crime rate went down because we had harder enforcement and we had fewer criminals physically, just the population wise. We had fewer people going through the 20 to 40 year cycle. Well, we're on another bubble like that today too, but now we don't have any enforcement mechanisms, at least in California. It's, you know, the police... Police officers here are just kind of shaking their heads like, wow, I want to transfer to Idaho, Texas, Florida, <laughs> anywhere, because <laughs> it's frustrating. You can't do your job. You've got everybody with a video camera and there's no there's consequences for you for enforcing the law. There's no consequences for the people breaking the law. And that's that has to be maddening for an officer. Well, you know, you see all this stuff on on TV and on the news and. You've got a guy that. You know, I have the option that I can go over here and I can go to work for the phone company or I can go over here and I can follow my dream and be in law enforcement. And wait a second, everybody hates those guys. I don't, I don't want to be the guy that everybody hates. I want to go over here. And, and it's funny because it, it, you almost to a person, when, when you ask young recruits, you know, why are you doing this? What do you what do you expect to get out of this? You know, I'd, I'd like to help people. I'd like to, to better my community. I'd like to do this. Um, nobody, nobody jumps in it to go, yeah, I'm, I just really like fighting. I like, I like having somebody attack me. Um, I've never been shot at. I wanted to see what that's like. Um, and now you want to arm. They make him a preschool teacher. <laughs> you know, I, I just can't imagine Joe Average looking across the board and going, how would you like somebody that knows nothing about what you do, armchair quarterback and everything, every decision you make that is done in a split second. Um, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I've, I've worked cases against police officers, um, shooting cases. I've worked uh, predator cases that, that needed to be worked. These were people that they didn't just need to be not, not on a police force. They needed to be incarcerated and dealt with. Um, I, I felt very strongly about if, if you can't go after a dirty cop, you should never be allowed to go out and police the general population. You know, that would be the guy that you go after the very hardest, the guy that is tainting the profession. Um, it, it's just, it's unbelievable to me that, that it has become uh, 
under such a, a microscope um, and everybody gets to weigh in and be an expert on, you know, you should right. have done this, you've done that. Yeah. And, and even, you know, we've seen today, somebody's being attacked on a train, sexually assaulted for 45 minutes and everybody stands there with their phone out. It's like, what's up with this? I, I, you know, we have, we have a, a dramatic shortage of, of men in this country uh, who are willing to stand in harm's way to protect innocence. And as you said, the people who want to be police officers, that's their main motivation. And that's, it's sadly, we're, we're pushing away from that. But let's talk about what you need to do to protect yourself in this situation. Obviously, the criminals are on the streets. We know that. They're in the malls. They're doing whatever they want to do. San Francisco, they have smash and grabs where if you park your car, there's literally a, a, like a van behind you that the guy gets out, looks in your window. He, if he likes it, he'll just smash it and grab it. If he doesn't know what it is, he'll smash your window and look through your car anyway. You know, these guys are videotaped all the time. This stuff happens. And as you know, we can't protect our property with deadly force. We've talked about that a number of times, but you have to be able to protect your family. And so obviously some states are constitutional carry. God bless you. That's fantastic excuse me, we have to have our permits here in California. Other states have to have concealed carry permits. It's important for you to protect your family. Anybody who's a legal, a legal good person, I think should be carrying a firearm. And, you know, obviously I don't like to cut felons any slack. It's just, you've heard that before, but um, a, a legally owned weapon, you should be able to carry it for your self-protection. And if you ever have to use it, you know, that's the other thing that we always talk about is first fights for your life, the second fights for your freedom. And that's where you guys come back in. Right, right. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, as, as a, a career law enforcement guy, um, I never worried about what was going to happen if I was pressed into that situation that I had to defend myself or somebody else with lethal force um, because I knew I had great homicide investigators that were gonna come in behind and work, work the case. I had great attorneys um, through the, the FOP um, as well as through the city um, that were gonna ensure that no, stern, no, no stone was unturned. It, everything was, was gonna get worked to its fullest. Um, and then it goes to a district attorney or a grand jury. And, and I really was never concerned with what's going to happen. Um, the civilian realm is, is completely different. Um, and that's the beauty of the system that CCW Safe came up with. They, they based this off the police model. So all the things that I would have had at my disposal as an active duty police officer, um, you know, you, you talk about that because you're familiar with it, but for those in the civilian part, which is a large part of, of your listeners there, what does that mean? You know, um, if an officer is involved in a shooting through the fraternity of police, through their union groups, there's a certain protocol where they're not allowed to be questioned for a certain amount of time. They have the ability to get their attorney before they have to make any kind of statements, Right. They do. And, and that even that is kind of a new phenomenon. That's not something that's been around for a great deal of time. Um, the majority of my career, uh, had I been involved in an on-duty shooting, we'd have loaded up in a car and gone downtown and you'd have had some guys working the scene and you'd have another guy that is going to sit across from me and, and ask me about the case. Um, now, on the other end of that is... Had I been involved in an on-duty shooting, not only did I have all those people coming out, I also had attorneys through the police union that would show up as well. Um, so I would I would have representation at the time of questioning. It would that would be covered um, through medical studies and research and things like that. We've we've learned that people that are involved in traumatic events uh, don't always clearly remember the, the events as they occurred. Um, I, was, I was really kind of 
opposed to the idea of body cams and dash cams uh, on police vehicles, uh, on police officers. Right. You, you felt like it was getting snitched on. I, I did. I kind of yeah. felt like it was kind of a big brother thing. I, I don't want to be have a camera on me all day long. I can tell you, as an investigator that's coming in behind and, and working some of these things, and that was that was such a great benefit to have those things at your disposal uh, because it gives you a clearer picture of a lot of the things that go on. The problem with that is I'm not getting every dimension in a fixed camera. So sometimes it doesn't look as good as, as the case really was. Uh, and, and we've found that in several times when you have you know four or five different officers on a scene and suddenly we can look at everybody's camera individually and go, oh, paint the picture. Over here, this looked like a horrible situation, but this camera caught it and now we understand. Yeah, guess which one the media is going to run with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it, again, it's it's something that that law enforcement kind of brought on themselves of over some of the things. Um, you know, there there's been things that have been swept under a rug and not dealt with the way they should have been dealt with. And you know, you've had guys in position before that. You know, I don't I don't know what their deal was, but for whatever reason, it just gave them kind of- They shouldn't have had power and authority. Yeah, they, they kind of had carte blanche to just be a bully. You know, yeah. we got rid of a kid that was, uh, he was still in field training. So he had completed the academy um, and he was still going through the training cycle, but he was he was riding with a you know, veteran officer, uh, a field training officer. Um, but this kid would, would still in his in his personal vehicle. So he's leaving the station after the end of a shift. Um, he's still dressed in a police uniform, and all of a sudden you go by him a little bit fast, and he'd pull up next to you and he'd start, you know, showing you the patch on his shoulder and the badge on his chest, and and you know, flagging people over and doing stuff like that. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, and those are those are the guys we don't need in the profession. So, uh, it, you know, there have, there have been those things out there that, that make people go, man, I can't stand those guys. Now I had a run in like that as a kid when I was, I think I was, I think I was a ninth grader. Uh, but I had, a, I had a cop that lived down the street from, from my family that came out and accused me and my best friend of something. And, and I was, I was pro police growing up. And I didn't have any issue with that. And I was like, listen, mister, if you got a, got a problem, call the cops. And he came out and he started cussing me and like pounding me in the chest. And, you know, I'll tell you what, you little SOB, I am a cop. I was oh, like, good, you just committed battery. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, there's, there's good people, there's bad people all the way around. And I think that the, the body cams have come out where they've actually... I think there's been more cases of police officers being accused of saying something, doing something. They roll the camera footage, they bring the complainer in, they go, oh, well, yeah, they made it up. They wanted to get him in trouble for it. So they've actually cleared, I think, more of the, not egregious cases, more, more of the nuisance complaints that didn't really happen. Those are kind of going away now because there's camera footage, it didn't happen. You can't go in and lie anymore and get a cop in trouble. So that's a good thing. And you know what? As we've always said, we want justice to be served. It's not cops are always right, bad guys are. There's a line there. We just want to be able to know what it is when we have to make a judgment call. Yeah. More yeah. information is best. And, but, you know, as we're talking about the crime rates, 46%, 46% in Philadelphia, 16% nationwide in the major cities. You know, this is the time that you need to get proficient with your defensive weapon, understand when to use your defensive weapon, keep your head on a swivel so you don't have to use your defensive weapon and make sure that your family is covered in case you do have to use it with CCW safe. Yeah, we'll be back here in just a little bit. Uh, we'll go to a quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you.
Hi, welcome back to CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High with Philip Naiman out in California. And we're talking today about the increase in some of these homicide records uh, across the country in the major cities. Um, and one of the things Phil and I had discussed previously was uh, kind of the role as a citizen and the importance of me being involved um, and our election cycles come through and, you know, I had explained to Phil, there was, there was times in my life that I would look at something that was, that was on a ballot and I, and I wouldn't even look at it until it was the day of voting, you know, walk in and start looking at things and go, well, I don't know anything about this. So I'm just not going to cast a vote at all. I'm just going to, I'm just going to remain silent. <clears throat> and the, the silent majority really has lost the right to remain silent. Um, it's, it's one of those that if we don't become involved, if we don't educate ourselves and our families and our friends on the importance of knowing who is running for office for district attorney or for your local criminal judges, um, these are, in Oklahoma, these are elected positions um, and there's, there's times that those, there can be appointments made to those things, but again, those are made by a governor or something like that. And it's, and it's things that you need to be aware of when you're casting a ballot in, in some of these elections. Um, it, it's one of those that if, even if I didn't know, you know, who are the, who are the judges here? What, what am I looking at? Because People are going to tell you anything you want to hear to be able to tickle your ear for a vote. Yeah. That's what, where they stand or what they want to do. That's not their real platform. They just want, they just want your vote today. Right. One of the things that uh, has been very, I won't say egregious, but very deceitful in California is that we have these lower level positions that are statewide, like Secretary of State, like who knows who cares, right? But who is that? The governor, Lieutenant Governor, we look at those, maybe the Lieutenant Governor. Attorney General, maybe. Secretary of State, man, yeah, what's that? Well, the Secretary of State is a very important position because the Secretary, Secretary of State in California writes the little ballot snippets of what we're voting on. So I'm gonna say that 90% of the people make their decision when they get their voter pamphlet book and it says Proposition 141, whatever, Proposition 47, reduces um, incarceration for petty thefts. Like, well, yeah, we shouldn't, you know, petty thefts, this makes sense. And then the law comes out and you can steal anything up to 950 bucks. It's like, well, wait a minute, you know, that's, so the person who writes that, they are so slanted. I wish I could have kept a couple for examples here. They're so slanted. It's a marketing piece that's shoved into your voter pamphlet. And so the Secretary of State is very important because they decide how things are going to go. You know, they staff the voter registrations. They, they decide whether or not they want to even do an investigation to voter fraud, which may or may not have happened in the last couple of times. But those other positions are important. And so it's good to find a group, like in California, we have the California Rifle and Pistol Association. They are very good on the statewide issues uh, that affect your second amendment. And then below that, like we have the Riverside County, well, actually they've just merged, but it's Inland Empire's County's gun owners, Inland Empire gun owners. And they go through all the lower levels, city council members, um, state legislators, all the local seats, and they vet people for that. So as a citizen, it is our duty to give an informed consent with our vote, not just to fall for whatever this ballot measure says or what the hype that they've written for you and, um, and to find out what actually is there and who they are. So 
wherever you're at, find the groups that think the way you do that have done this background, because you can't research a judge on your own. Judge, blah, 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 did, you know, you're not gonna be able to, but there are people who have. And so you can find those resources and understand, okay, this is a pro-law enforcement, this is a pro-2A, this is somebody that I agree with who follows the law, doesn't make it up as they go, as we've seen many judges do. So it's an important thing, judges, local judges, well, now they've, they've combined municipal and superior, but local judges move up to um, the, the, the regional board. Oh my gosh, sorry. Uh, Ninth Circuit Court, you know, there's, they go to the federal bench, they go to the Ninth Circuit Court, and you've seen the crazy situations and decisions that the Ninth Circuit Court has had, uh, you know, in, in California. And that's the whole Western 11 states have to deal with the Ninth Circuit Court. But most of those people on there have been put on through the California court system. So it's important that we look at the local issues. That's where you can make your effect. In California, there's 38 million people, um, you know, 6 million of them voted for Joe Biden. Uh, had everybody who was registered to vote showed up and done the right thing, he wouldn't have won California. So it's obvious that we have a situation where people are not getting involved for whatever reason. And you can't run. The other thing that it's important, especially you're there in Oklahoma, you've got good senators, you have good governors, good governance of your state. California, obviously we're whacked. They're just, we're, you know, we, we got Fabio the clown uh, running around in circles, honking his horn. That's, that's our governor. So that's where we're at. But we send two senators to Congress. We send 53 Congress people. So what happens in California affects the entire nation. We have the most congressional seats over there and you've seen them. Adam Schiff, sorry, he's one of ours. Eric Smallwell, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, we get all the crazies. Well, but the point is we have to affect you out there in free America, have to affect your local elections to save the other stuff and it's that's your duty as a citizen you know so here's one more thing right carry your firearm get trained understand defensive tactics get ccw safe and be a citizen activist those, those are the five things you need to do for this christmas have a we'll have a much better 2022 if everybody follows that <laughs> well again it the the importance of having a say in your community. And, and that's essentially what you're doing. Um, well, there's two know. ways to get a say, by vote or by force. We don't want number two. Yeah. No, nobody wants a civil war. It's just, oh, no. We can still save everything by the vote. We have the legal rights. And with by doing things the right way, we can save this. But it takes work and it takes commitment and it takes effort. Um, <clears throat> it, it's, it's part of that part of that thing we, you know, it, if, if I fail to prepare, I, I fail. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it works. Um, I'm not just going to go out to be a gun owner and go, I'm, I'm going to buy a new gun. I'm going to carry. Well, no, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn how to, how to function the thing. I'm going to learn it to be proficient with it. I'm going to learn the laws. Especially, especially if it's a single action pistol, <laughs> you should really study how those things work. Just going to leave that there. Yeah, you can. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it It's such an obligation. Um, it, it's such a big responsibility. Um, and it's not just knowing how to make the tool function. It's it's understanding the laws in your area. I can do this. I can't do that. I want to I want to avoid that at all costs. Um, <clears throat> or going out and knowing that it's not just about you know good equipment. You know, I've got a great belt. I got a great holster. I got a a really dependable firearm. Um, I make sure my magazines are in good working order. Um, I, I buy quality ammunition. It, those are all part of it, but it's, it's understanding that, do I ever work on weapon retention? Do I ever work on keeping my gun 
Um, it, it'd be the worst thing in the world to, to go, I'm going to make this step and I'm going to, I'm going to be a, a legal gun owner and carrier. Um, and then have somebody take your gun away from you. Uh, and I, I used to think, man, there's no way you'll ever pull a gun away from me. And then after being a cop, I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen guys that were defensive tactics instructors, guys that trained these things and taught these things and lost a gun in a fight on the street. Um, so there, there is a, a level of commitment to, to all aspects of it. You know, I, I, I study first aid, I've, I study martial arts. Um, I do weapon retention, weapon disarming, um, whether it's uh, holstered gun defense or drawn gun defense, they're all, they're all responsibilities I have if I'm going to be this guy carrying this thing around. But you said there's a duty, right? There's a responsibility. There's also an honor. We, we live in the greatest country in the United States. It allows us, well, God's given us those rights, but they're enumerated in the Bill of Rights to have our rights displayed as a second amendment, that we have the ability to defend ourselves and our families and our freedoms. We have this ability. We live in the greatest country here and we have got to defend it. We've got to do everything we can to hold this on. Not for me, look, see all this gray hair? I'm old, I'm gonna die soon. For my grandkids, for my great grandkids, for everybody else, for posterity. It is our duty to hold the line here. It just, legally voting all the great stuff that we can do and it's easy to do and you know we had a saying on the firing line radio show which was g-o-y-a stands for get off your couch and get in the fight right it's an important thing you have to get involved this is this is not for you it's for your kids for your grandkids for your great grandkids that's we need to think that far out what is best and do what's required today. And it's not only is it a duty and responsibility, but is it an honor to do that? Yeah, you're right. And and I usually am. For for those that, that want ask to my argue, wife. <laughs> uh, for those that want to argue that point and say, eh, you know, America is not what America used to be. Well, maybe, maybe not, but that's our fault. And if if you want to know what a great country you live in travel yep. no other places. come back and come back and be thankful for what you have uh because there's plenty of places that, that but you're not doing number two through a hole in the floor yeah yeah we we live in an amazing country we we live where people who feel as though they're completely impoverished are walking around with a a, a twelve hundred dollar cell phone in their hand so I just listened to this podcast yesterday with uh, Pastor Doug, Doug Wilson. He's a great guy. And he's talking about how American conservatives sitting in their recliner couch, watching their giant flat screen TV, Fox News is on, listen to the normal story, get up, walk over to their sub-zero fridge, pop it open, get a cold drink, crack it open and say to the wife, oh, this country's terrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> The blessings that we have are so over the top right now. We need to maintain and make sure that we that we provide for others. Well, we're remarkably spoiled. Um, yes, and, and that makes it easy to do nothing. And the other part, you know, I've been in Second Amendment advocacy for nine years now, almost ten for the radio show, and I get this a lot. You know what you need to do what you guys, what the NRA should do, what the California CRP should do, what Oklahoma Pistol Rifle Association should do is this. And it's like, look, it's the old thing. One finger forward, three fingers back. It's not what they should do. It's what we should do. And I always, I, I answer that directly. Like, that's a great idea. How do you want to, how do you want to do it? Yeah. How, how, how do you want to start this? Yeah. That, that's awesome. Let's go. You're, I'm going to put you in charge of it. Let's go. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and not to, and the other thing is not, don't form circular firing squads. Second Amendment community does this a lot. We have, um, I only shoot 
ducks. So I think that the only thing you should have is an over under and a side by side. Well, I like AR 15s. Oh, I would never have an AR 15. You know, that's black rifles. Those are bad. Well, I, I, I hunt. I like my uh, long range rifles. Oh, you shoot over 500 yards. That's terrible. You should only shoot a longbow. I mean, we do this interior circular firing squad on each other and we need to be supportive in the second amendment community all the way around. I don't think you should conceal carry. I think you should open carry. Look, carry right? Legally do what you can do in the city and the states that you live in. Don't, don't spend our time and energy fighting each other. You know, turn that sucker around. If instead of having a 360 degree firing squad where we're all aiming at the guy in the middle, if everybody turned around and went back to back, we'd be in a lot better position. Take our arguments to the enemy. Don't take the arguments to each other. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, and it's that, it's that way all across our community, not just not just in in this against that. It it, it works that way in the in the training community. You know, that's why oh, you want to start a you'll start World War Three? Post this online. Nine millimeters better than 45 ACP. That's it. You got mushroom clouds, everybody's coming apart at that. It's like Spend your time on something else. Yeah. Yes. Um, or, you know, if you're not shooting competition, you're not ever really preparing yourself. Yeah. I no. think that I think it plays a part. I think that's something that that can help you become more proficient at the things that you do. But if I've never learned basic shooting fundamentals, and all of a sudden you want to put me out on a on an IPSC course or something, that's going to be disastrous, and hopefully nobody gets injured. Be a long um, day, or or you get, you know, uh, you know the law enforcement guys train it like this, and that's so stupid because we do it like this, and or again, that's the interior sniping. It's like, like hey, you know, guys are, yeah. and I'm telling you, I I I say, branch out, do the Bruce Lee thing, study study everything, and steal everything that works for you, and if it doesn't work for you, discard it. You don't have to do that. But, but you don't have, you know, we don't have to eat our young either. I mean, there's, there's exactly no the black belt for jujitsu. He says, you know, get your reps in. So it's not like you do something once and watch a video on it and you're a black belt, right? No, you're getting your reps in. So whether that's training the way the cops train or training the way this guy does, or like your Bruce Lee approach, we're taking something from everybody. That's, what's going to make you, well, not only a, a better shooter, it's going to make you a better person all the way around. Well, it's like that in, in every aspect of life. I mean, right. learn, learn all of it. Um, I don't know. It, it's, uh, well, you have to be constantly learning just to, to know what you can discard. Yeah, for sure. And, and just because I have discomfort, you know, if, if you come out to our range and you go, Rob, I want you to try this. I'm, I'm going to try it. Right. Um, be coachable. It doesn't mean that, well, it didn't work for me today. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it an effort. I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least give this a good run to see if it's something that I can adapt into my tool belt. Uh, <clears throat> it's like it's like you're talking. It, it's just the reps. I've gotta, I've gotta do it over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, I've got a good friend of mine that that. Uh, has provided me with an appendix carry holster. Um, I look forward to learning how to function out of this holster. But I've gone from, from my hip for decades. So I'm not the guy that's just going to go slide this thing down the front of my pants. And that's the way I'm going from this day forward. I have to get the reps in on that thing. I got to learn how to function this thing. Um, it's same way if I, if I change and I go from, you know, a Springfield to a SIG or, you know, to a Kimber or whatever, I want to, I want to get the reps in with, with that firearm, with that piece of equipment and, and become completely familiar with it before I want to make that my everyday carry thing. Um, it's, it's just keeping an open mind and, and investing the time in yourself uh and it, and it benefits everybody so it does and, and for appendix carry practice i like my glock 19 airsoft 
<laughs> I'm, I'm telling you with the ammo stuff, uh, there are so many really good shooters I know that have actually gone to, to systems like that. Oh, just... I do. I, I this, this thing on the wall back here, it's actually a Macmillan stocked uh, airsoft gun. And uh, if you look over here on the shelf, you'll see these little plastic, plastic moose. I set these up across the driveway and offhand practice, right? It's a, it's a, tenth of a penny a shot as opposed to five bucks a shot for the high-powered rifles but you got to practice what you got to practice but the point is for me personally because i'm a little scary um when i'm doing my practice for appendix i'm using my airsoft gun just because safety <laughs> absolutely I'm, I'm going to become familiar with everything first exactly exactly you don't want to start well say doing a cross draw with a single action pistol to, to discharge there on trying to, to draw and have a complete miss would be so terrifying if anybody ever found out about that, wouldn't it? Yeah, turn off your body cam. <laughs> um, holidays are coming up. You guys got any plans? You traveling? You staying home? We got lots of plans. We're uh, flying in my kids. So, well, my son and his his wife from New York. Uh, he's going from the uh, occupied state of New York to the occupied state of California. No freedom for him. But uh, no, we're going to have a great time. Lots of family. Good. Um, anything coming up in the foreseeable future? You got any training things coming up? Or? Saturday, this Saturday, I am shooting a match. I'm shooting a practical pistol match at uh, West End Gun Club friend of mine invited me out there i uh, haven't done it for several months like nine months well i was focusing on my my sheep hunt so i quit the pistol shooting and went all long range practice including picking on those little toy animals but um no that's we're shooting all the time we shoot probably once a week of one discipline or another normally rifles but it's that's my joy i i like that Everybody else is watching NFL Sunday afternoon. I'm at the range. Got the whole thing to myself. It's perfect. Yeah. I love football for that reason. <laughs> we had a great time out at our range yesterday. Um, our content manager, Justin, set the range up for some guests. We, we hosted a local radio show out there, uh, sports talk radio, uh, but they're uh, one of our one of our good advertisers um, had a great, great day with them. Um, Oklahoma machine guns came out. Um, oh, that's always a good day. I mean, things. anything with the name machine guns in it is is a good day. Some of their things along and and uh, got a little got a little time on the range, a little time with with friends. So, uh, and we had a beautiful day for it. It was, you know, mid sixties and no wind and there's like three days a year like that in Oklahoma. We haven't range in one of them. So it was a, it was a great blessing. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, be kind to your, to your families, be kind to each other. Uh, we've got the holiday seasons coming up. Um, some of you have great times during that. Some of you have great anxiety during that. So uh, be kind to each other. This is the season for that. Uh, Phil, you got anything else? Nope. Oh, God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. We will be joining you again shortly and look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.